Welcome to Forum of Passion, episode 105. I want to thank everybody once again for joining us. Um, we are, uh, you know, rounding out summer here, getting into fall. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure down the pipeline, we will be kind of talking about, uh, it's probably not time yet, but, you know, within the next few months, we'll be kind of like doing a, not like a wrap up of uh, records this year, but start looking into maybe doing a top 10 for the year, uh, you know, closer to uh, October, November. Um, at the beginning of these, uh, we'd like to give a shout out to all of our new Patreon subscribers. If you like this podcast and want to support this podcast, you can subscribe at www.patreon.com slash forum of passion. You're going to get an additional episode on the last Friday of each month. That's uh, going to be a little bit different than our regular interview episodes. They're usually discussion based. Sometimes we have on guests uh, from the main line. Sometimes we have on guests that are you know completely separate from our regular interview uh, mainline, you know, participants. Um, so it, it's a mixed bag there. We talk about records, talk about shows, you know, analyzing things. It's a good time. Uh, it's only $2 a month. Again, www.patreon.com slash forum of passion. And if you're one of those subscribers, you could be like one of these people. I want to send a shout out to John Ortiz. Thank you very much for joining us over there, John. Uh, send a shout out to Sonny Ferris. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to send a shout out to Abby Hinton. Thank you very much, Abby. And we're going to send a shout out to, oh, uh, yes, the most recent uh, Patreon guest, Knox Colby of Enforced. Uh, send a shout out to Knox always. He is, has a great mainline episode as well. One of the earlier ones, in fact. Um, so, you know, dive into the catalog and find that one. And then last but not least, want to send a shout out to uh, Ronnie Marks. Uh, this is Ron of Upon Stone. Outstanding band. I, I don't know if their uh, record, their full length will be out by the end of the year, but I've heard it. Um, outstanding melodic death metal. Um, there are some very interesting, uh, there's a, there's a very interesting cover on the record to look forward to, but, uh, Ron rocks, good band and, uh, look forward to, uh, you know, anything that he's working on. Uh, today's guest is somebody that I've, uh, had the pleasure of knowing for a bit. Um, I, uh, distinctly remember being in the gym and working out to access of equality many years ago. Uh, that's how I first became initiated with this person's kind of musical output and uh anytime i've gotten to interact with them they've been you know been a great person been a great guy uh good performer um great great graphic designer as well uh, i recommend going to uh uh jake if you are interested in some cool graphic design work uh but uh today we have on mr jake collinson sir how are you doing i'm doing great after that intro thank you so much for the kind of words course. absolutely yeah. sir thank you absolutely. for having me as well i really appreciate it of course man um I have always known you to be a proponent of West Texas. Damn right. Is that somebody's got to be someone's got to fly the flag of West Texas. Is that where you were born, born and raised in Lubbock, Texas? Yeah, I I lived uh, on Long Island as a baby, um, but uh, that was just because my dad's from there. We went back for a little bit. And then, uh, and then we, uh, made our way back to Lubbock after like, I think like a year or so. So, yeah. So you were like, what, like two or something of that nature. Yeah. I don't remember anything. And then I just got to go back and go to the beach like every couple of years. So that was cool. Yeah. So, so your family migrated to Texas from East. So my dad is from Long Island. Um, he, he made his way, uh, to Texas because he was in the air force, um, there used to be a uh, Reese air force base in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how he made his way to Lubbock. And my mom is born and raised, uh, in, uh, or 
in around Lubbock area. Um, my grandpa was a cotton farmer, so um, gotcha. she grew up on a farm outside of Lubbock. What for those that are uninitiated with with this this part of the country? What is what is Lubbock like? How would you describe Lubbock to somebody that has never been there? So geographically, I think one word is to say it's it's isolated. It's yeah. it's very small. Or it I, when I say small. Um, it's not like a one stoplight place. Like it's a city. No, it's um, a city. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's got about like, it's got a little over 200,000 people that live there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that sometimes when I say that people assume that there's like a Lubbock metro area and that's just not the case. It's, right. uh, it's caught, it's, it's, you're driving in cotton fields and suddenly there's a city that just appears in front of you. Got it. Uh, um, and, uh, West Texas is just a, uh, it's it's just a down home country place uh, mm-hmm. where you where you raise a family, you go to church on Sundays, and yep. um, that's that's your life, man. Yeah. That that is it. And so for you, so you're kind of talking about the geography of it, where you're, you'll be driving driving through cotton fields, and, and anybody that's ever driven through West Texas, you know that it's like it's you know flat, it's out there. Like, what is the closest? Like, how far away is like the closest other town? So. When you, the closest, like there, there's small towns like on sure. the way to and from the yeah. closest, like cities are, mm-hmm. um, Amarillo and Midland slash Odessa. Okay. Um, both of those are two hour, uh, Amarillo's two hours North Midland and Odessa are two hours South. Got so it. okay. it's just a straight line. So um, you, you are very out there like that is like, that is like a, like an isolating. And if you've been to West Texas, you know, people listening, you know, that it, it is, it is kind of place where it's like, it'll be like nothing. And then it'll be bam, there'll be something, you know, but it is long distances in between places. It seems. Yeah. Major, major cities. There's no major cities, um, less than six hours away. Crazy. Uh, yeah. So the closest major cities are like Dallas is six, Albuquerque is six, uh, Austin, San Antonio are seven. Um, so yeah, it's a long How, way from civilization. When you were a kid, like what was, did, like was this something that you noticed or were you just kind of unaware like you, you were kind of like in like the bubble of just like living there um i i think it was a little bit of both um like so i got exposed like being having family from long island like when we would go visit mm. you would you would fly in and then like i remember one time we went to the city when i was like eight and that was my first that was like a huge just like I'm culture sure. shock to me yeah. like imagine because long island is like a little bit more manageable to kind of wrap your head around because it's like it's suburban suburban and there's like rural areas so it's like oh this is just like west texas but green and there's water so it's like i can wrap my head around that but then you take a train and then you get dropped into grand central station and then you come out of the ground and there's buildings that are taller than anything you've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I vividly remember that experience as being crazy. So like living there, it was just kind of like, Oh, this is just how it is. But then you like get those little blips of like other things. And you, it's, it's, you definitely start to notice like, Oh, there's this world's a little bigger than I think. For sure. And so I, you know, I asked this being kind of like you're, you're in a place that is kind of, um, I won't call it removed or, you know, or anything like that just because it's like, it's like where I'm from is the same size. It's like 200,000, you know, some people or what have you. Uh, but w- when you were a kid, like, how did you, you know, as somebody that would end up getting involved in music, how are you accessing 
like like music or art or, or or things like creative things when you were like like in single digits of age when you were like young so a bunch of that was just based off of um my family um naming my parents and my sister um but like as far as I, I think music was probably like the first thing that like kind of grabbed me um I, like i can vividly remember when i was young, like i would hang out with my dad on the weekends all the time and just go doing errands in his truck he he did like blue collar stuff so like he yeah. would take take me to do like little side jobs and stuff like that nice. um i could vividly remember living listening to like stevie ray vaughn in his car okay. and like he would break out like some like aerosmith def leopard metallica here or there nice. um and then my mom was completely just a huge pop fan so we would listen to like michael jackson prince um she had a big ricky martin phase when i was a kid uh, oh really yeah funny. i'm i'm what was it like late 90s what have yeah, you yeah i feel like that was when he was everywhere oh yeah um did what did you find yourself as a kid gravitating towards that your parents were kind of putting you on to so I definitely gravitated more towards what my dad liked because it was just the, one of those things where I thought he was just like the coolest, hardest dude ever. Um, and like, I would, you know, I just, I, I wanted to be like him. So anytime you would put on like Ozzy or Stevie in the truck, it was just like, it was a good day. Um, mm -hmm. And then like, yeah, I, I think that uh, I also looked up to my older sister a lot in that way. She's four years okay. older than me. And uh, she was into like a bunch of like hip hop and R and B. Um, of the time so yeah that was kind of like where i gravitate towards like did you just weirdly. have the one sister or do you have other siblings no just her she's okay. she's my only one what kind of hip-hop stuff was she like showing you in like r&b was it stuff of the time period or was it older yeah it was it was stuff of the time so like uh is like early 2000s like mm -hmm. so it was like when nelly and like 50 oh, cent yeah. were super big and then like r&b sure. R wise um I mean, that was when, like, I think, like, Aaliyah was still around. Oh, yeah. So, Huge. like, yeah. So, she was she was super, super into that and kind of, like, passed that along to me and uh, passed along a bunch of other stuff along the way, too. Did, you know, away from, like, your sister and your family listening to this stuff, you know, were any of the musicians? No. Um, so, my, the the most, like, family musician, like, person that I had was, like, um i mean my sister was like in marching band but that's like not very applicable sure. she wasn't playing the trumpet around the house um right but uh my uh i always heard stories about my grandpa he died before i was born um and uh he was apparently a really good guitar player um mm -hmm. and uh he was um he played a lot of like tejano music and stuff like that okay um right, tell, tell me about that because I, I don't i don't know about tejano music um so it, I'm I'm half Mexican, so I'm half of my my mom's side of the family. Um, all is into Tejano music. Tejano music. Um, if you haven't listened to it before, the best way I can describe it is kind of like there's some there's like some country elements, but there's some like it polka elements in a way. If you've ever so been, so into, it's it's like ranchero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, I mean, like. Okay. And like, and especially the stuff that's like big in Texas. Like, if you ever listen to like Selena Quintanilla, like that's like the, okay. the queen of it. Um, okay. But like, my when we would go to my aunt and uncle's house, like he got my grandpa's guitar and would mm -hmm. play it around sometimes, and would play like I, I mean, I 
I might be butchering this, but I feel like we listen to like a bunch of like Vicente Fernandez and stuff like that. Sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, that's like the most musical family members I had were my late grandpa and my uncle who would periodically play his guitar here or there. When did you, so that being the case where it's like not really like passed down to you in, in that way necessarily, when did you find yourself being like, like, Oh, like, this is something that I'm interested in, like in like doing as opposed to just listening to. So I th- I think it was when I kind of started falling into like harder music. Um, so like when I was, hmm, when I was probably like 10 or so, um, I got really into skateboarding. Um, mm, my, yes. my, my cousin, um, he owns a uh, skateboarding magazine based out of the Bay. It's called low card. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. And, uh, I thought he was like the coolest motherfucker ever, like obviously. And he would like, he came down to Lubbock a few times and like would drop him, drop me off like skate videos and, um, stuff like that, that he just got from like his friends. Like I remember like a creature video he gave me mm-hmm. that I played at like my, I think it was like my 11th birthday party. And the first word was like, fuck. And my, nice. my, my mom was like, Oh, Oh, here we go. <laughs> but, but like it, it had like a bunch of like punk and stuff like that, which like I wasn't necessarily gravitated to at the time, but like that the the culture of skateboarding kind of got me like into I guess like heavier guitar driven music, which I already had like a taste for because of my dad. Oh. Um but I kind of like fell into my own thing from skateboarding and I got into like the like the radio rock of the era. Okay. So, so like what, what are you like, what radio rock stuff are you listening to? Like at that time, like event sevenfold, Papa Roach, stuff like that. And then this is like what? 2014, no, not 14, 2004. uh, I mean, uh, it was mm, probably like 2007, 2006, like, um, because I found uh, through that pretty, pretty shortly after I found Slipknot. Okay. Uh, Sure. Because of that, and they they had just released Volume Three, which I think came out in two thousand seven. Okay, so and and like and Slipknot is an interesting one because what I remember distinctly about Slipknot, like in like this would have been a few years before, but what I distinctly remember about Slipknot is that like I didn't hear Slipknot like I don't remember hearing Slipknot on the radio until honestly the song Duality, mm-hmm. and that would have been. Would, would that a bit was that on that record or was that on something later? Yeah, oh, that was on that record. Okay. That makes sense then because I remember previously, like I was into metal, but I had a friend that was like into like harder new metal. Like he mm-hmm. was into like scary new metal. Like he was into like Mudvayne and like Slipknot. Stuff where people like dressed up and shit. And I remember like I was like, I don't at the time I was like, I never heard any of that stuff on the radio. Yeah. Um, but duality later being like I remember that one being kind of everywhere. Okay. So that makes sense. So, so you hear, did you hear that on the radio? Is that how you found Slipknot? So I actually found Slipknot because of, uh, my sister, she used to download, like she went through like a little phase of like, like hard rock and like emo stuff that like she would, she downloaded a bunch of songs to her iPod Mm -hmm. and essentially I, I, took it from her and just like would listen to it when she wasn't home. Um, so like I threw that, like I, she had like a bunch of like hard rock at the time, like I said, but she also had the song left behind, which is on Iowa. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was the first Slipknot song I ever heard. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah, for Um, sure. It was like the, 
craziest thing I had heard to that point. I believe it. I mean, like that's it, yeah. it, by comparison to other radio music, radio rock, even like that, like Slipknot was jarring by comparison. So that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it was jarring in a good way. Like I, yeah. I immediately went like straight towards it, Um, which like there was some other stuff that like could have clued me in that that was going to happen too. Like I remember around that time I used to watch like, um, like just keep MTV on in the background. I used to watch like mm-hmm. TRL every time I came home from school. Oh, yeah, and, me too. And uh, I remember, um, like I, my first CD I bought was like a Newfound Glory CD. So that's like on the pathway there. Definitely. And then, Definitely. and then like I remember watching like MTV two at night. They would start Headbangers mm-hmm. Ball, and oh, I remember. Right. I remember there would be there was a Behemoth video. Oh, that crazy! Used, Whoa. That that it was uh, at the left hand of God. And mm. um, if anybody's ever seen that video, like it's a crazy video. Yes. And like as like a barely double digit young kid scared the hell out of me, but I couldn't stop watching it. So how did you end up continuing to like access this stuff? Were you like, like, like I need to like go get like CDs of this or like, like what was your, your research? So it was a mix of like two different things. So, um, there was a kid at my school. Um, he, I, I kind of befriended him and, this, uh, this other kid. And so it was Josh and Corey and, um, they already liked Slipknot. So we kind mm-hmm. of like bonded there. Sure. Um, so like I would spend like every weekend at Josh's house, just like spending the night. And he had this older brother that was into like the metal core at the time. So like the Norma jeans of the world and oh, like yes. the devil wears Pradas of the world and stuff okay. like that. Okay, so, sure. like, so like I found stuff through him. And then during that, um, like I would try to like, you know, make any money I could. Like I would ask my mom to do like extra chores around the house. So it's like, she could buy me like CDs. Um, so essentially what that looked like was every pretty much every weekend or every other weekend when I had the, the, the chores balanced up to be able to buy a CD, I would go into FYE um, oh, yeah. or mm-hmm. hot topic and just go to the CD players and listen to whatever I thought had cool artwork and go okay. from there. What were you, what were you finding? Like, what was, cause this is an interesting thing where it's like, you know, something that doesn't really occur now in the way that it did then is that you would just, again, you would look at artwork on stuff. And if it looked like shit, you'd be into, you'd be like, Oh, I'll, I'll check this out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what kind of stuff was pulling you in visually that kind of, kind of brought you in like that? Um, a bunch of, so like from Slipknot, that's where I transitioned into the death core of the time. Okay. So sure. like, so like the suit, this is also very like compressed timeline because like, five years when you're like going from like 11 to 16 it feels like 13 years it feels it feels like an eternity you know yeah Yeah. so so like so like when i say like it was a pretty fast transition but like i found like suicide silence um white chapel Mm -hmm. um stuff like that of of the time um so i was just buying shit left and right during that okay so you're you're like so like stuff like um god i mean like so what it what is it like oh seven oh eight I'm imagining yeah. kind of time oh, period. Oh, oh, eight, oh, nine, I think okay. was, was around the time. Cause I, I remember like, I remember like kind of like, I remember like playing something in like Tennessee, like sort of like around like that time period. And I remember like people kind of like, 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 like white chapels from there. Yeah. I want to say, I want to say, I, no, I think there's a suicide sign or is it, no, yeah, it's Tennessee. It was Tennessee. As I'm saying, yeah. is I was playing something in Tennessee and people would like name check and be like, 
oh yeah, like th- this guy in X band used to be in White or, or something, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh okay. So I I distinctly know kind of the time period you're talking about. Um, you know, you're you're hearing this stuff, you're you're hearing Whitechapel, Suicide Silence, uh like Deathcore of, of the era. Is there anything in you at this time that you're like, I want to go see stuff like this? Yeah. So during that time period, that was what that was when I started going to like shows. Um okay. so but like Predating when I was into to deathcore, I had gone to like a Papa Roach show. Sure, okay. So you going to some some big room stuff? I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like because Lubbock that that's what do, does well in Lubbock. Like it's it's oil field dudes. Of course, they're gonna go Makes to a sense. Papa Roach show. Oh yeah. Um, so that's when I started going to shows. But I, the first like heavy show I ever went and saw, um, it was when I was in eighth grade, and mm-hmm. it was um, the Devil Wears Prada, Unearth, Okay, Veil sick. of Maya. And okay. bleeding through. All right, a yeah. very, a very like a kind of a masterclass of that sound of the of the time. Yeah. Um, oh wait. Okay. So you, you go to see that now in Lubbock was were tours like that coming through regularly or was it kind of like hit or miss? It it was pretty hit or miss. Um, the promoter that puts on those kind of shows like. West Lubbock and West Texas in general always comes in waves. So there was like a period where there would be like two or three local bands that were like, Oh, these are solid and we're getting behind them. So now there's more shows coming and then it slows down. And, but like Lubbock was good during that time because it's a good in between city. Um, Mm. Especially there would, there would be a big show every summer because of warp tour. That Um, makes sense. Because there would be a warp tour date in Las Cruces, New Mexico, mm-hmm. yep, and then a warp uh, off day, and then a warp tour date in Dallas. So got it. Okay, it, it's like the perfect in between if you want to do it a is. big show. Um, so that's like how like how it kind of went. But there was like periodic tours that would just make their way through there because of X, Y, and Z. You know. Okay, so you are seeing you know like like this deathcore like you know like like music and things like that. You are have like kind of like found a lot of this music like on your own and like you have some friends have put you on and like in like your sister and stuff. But you're kind of like creating your own path here. Did is. And like, is this kind of the time period where you're like, okay, I've seen this tour. That was amazing. Like to me, like, this is so sick. I want to, I want to do that. I want to be in a band. Has that hit you yet? Yeah. So I started okay. my, I started my first band when I was 14. Um, okay. And uh, it was basically just like the metal core at the time. Sure. Um, what I was into. And it was with those two kids, uh, Josh and Corey that I mentioned earlier. Right. Um, and this other kid named Garrett. Um, well, that we, what was the name of the band? Uh, <laughs> it's all good, dude. It's, it's part of the journey, man. Oh, well, as uh, Austin's uh, brother-in-law spoiled it on hard lore. He asked a question okay. about it and they read it. So it was called hidden by ivory. It was like, okay. a, it was a, it was a metal core band and I sang in it. Chill. Um, Hidden by is not bad. I mean, yo, believe, best believe there are some names from that era of that style that could be that like were bad, and that Hidden by Ivory is not a bad name. So you're chill. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how we got started. We were just playing, like, because Josh lived out in the country, so like we would play out in his parents' shop, and nobody would complain about noise because we were, got it. Goddamn, people deserved to complain about the noise. It was bad. Um, well, did, did you immediately start playing like were you able to get gigs and stuff or was it just kind of a garage situation like what was the operation like so we got gigs because we basically like 
annoyed the local promoter enough to like you know like we were just the annoying kids that would just be like put us on a show put us on a show put us on a show um so uh, we got our first gig when i was like yeah when i was 14 um and uh it was with this local band full of like literal 50 year old men uh called a darker shade of gray let's um, go what was the dark what was that band like oh my god it was like industrial metal but with no electronics um oh okay yeah okay i don't think they knew how to work a keyboard so that's how they that's how they they did it out nice guys though Uh, all right let's go yeah and uh i remember i distinctly remember like all of my friends from like school went like their parents dropped them off there and uh this 50 year old man said uh if you got weed we'll smoke it and one of one of the 14 year old kids was like we're all 12 sorry (laughs) how speaking of that you talk about kids coming from your high school what was your what was your life like at school like what was your social life kind of like away from music like um it was pretty like tight-knit so i i actually grew up like uh just north of lubbock in a little town called new deal um so it new deal is just a little like farm town like literally no stoplight the only thing there is a gas station and a school and um it's uh population 700 so like the school that I went to, I went to from kindergarten until I graduated and I graduated with a class of 42 people. Wow. Yeah. So okay. I got it. I got the, <laughs> I got the, I got the, I got the vibe. Yeah. So very, very small town. And, um, I like, especially when I started getting into like the hard stuff, like I stuck out like a store sore thumb, obviously. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Like three, there's three kids in the school that are wearing, are wearing all black and uh and suicide silent shirts walking around the halls you're gonna see them and they're all it's just me and my two friends essentially okay so you know rural school situation you know you and your friends are the only like alternative people you know around and and you're there the entire time through through you being in school and and what have you um okay so hidden by ivory uh like how how long do you do that band for and and kind of like what what kind of stuff do y'all end up doing so that band kind of stuck around west texas we ended up being a band until i was i believe like 16 so like okay, so two, a couple years yeah but two years at 14 to 16 it felt like we were banned for 10 you feel like you're banned forever yeah yeah um so like we we just kind of played some some shows around lubbock we slowly got like a little bit better and then when we got our best we quit um, but it was like still not very good. The biggest shows we played were with like um we played with like Emory one time. Oh, okay. Um yeah. I believe we played with like Maylene and the Sons of Disaster once. Oh yeah. Okay. Um I, I'm, I'm very familiar. Yeah, so like just the metal core of the time, we played a couple of like the bigger shows of, of yeah. Lubbock's past then. Uh and outside of that, just local shows. The only out of town shows we ever played were uh Amarillo. Okay and roswell new mexico okay that was it how was how was roswell it was weird the show we played the show we played was honestly hilarious thinking back on it so we opened the show we're a band from there's no local bands from roswell so we opened the show i wouldn't i'm not surprised by this okay yeah uh and then betrayal played oh yeah Yeah, okay just randomly um and then uh this band that literally was on the disney channel played after them interesting it was it was the weirdest show ever all right and 
it was in like the Eastern New Mexico University Auditorium. So we we played on this stage, and all the crowd was also on the stage there, with us. Oh, wait, it was like seated. Yeah, so it was like stadium seating, essentially, like a big auditorium that you go to like a TED talk in. Okay. And it it was just everybody was on the stage. I don't know how. I think it was like a student sponsored thing, but yeah. Oh, I I see the setup you're talking about now where instead of people sitting in the uh, the auditorium, they were just on that. Everybody was on the stage instead of people being seated. Yeah. Seated in the audience. I'm trying to think of what would have been more of an awkward vibe if them being all on stage. Or if they were all just sitting, <laughs> like it was like all like that or whatever. I, I mean, it was ten people there, so I, okay. Would, I felt like it would have been the same way, either <laughs> way. Uh, same vibe. Okay, so you guys do that for a couple of years, and you and like what? What is the reason for stopping? Just people. I think we just got tired of it. Um, sure. Like I, I it, it just kind of fell apart because a couple of guys were just like over it and didn't want to do it anymore. Um, which was fine. Uh, I, I kind of was like moving past that because around 15 years old, that's when I started getting into hardcore. How so, had you discovered hardcore? So um, I accidentally bought my first hardcore CD before I got into hardcore. Okay. Um, so 2011, uh, I accidentally picked out of an FYE bin keepers of the faith. Ah, yeah. yes. Mm. So um, I, I picked it because I was like, I, I was just shuffling through. I had to go soon, but I was like, I, I want a CD. So I found, I was like, this band name is crazy. Terror. Like that's insane. And then the artwork was like so different than everything else that was in that section. Cause it was like crazy painting, crazy painting, crazy painting, Farsi letters. Yes. What is this? Yep. So I, I accidentally bought keepers of the faith, went home, listened to it. Didn't like it. <laughs> I was like, sure. It didn't, it didn't hook me right away. I'm uh-huh. sure it didn't, especially because of what, what you were listening to at the time. Like, it was probably like, this is like way different. Like, this is probably, this is a lot simpler than what you're yeah. listening to. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I, I, I could totally, I could totally understand, like, based on what you were listening to being like, ah, this, this isn't really ticking my boxes or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. But um during that time was when i found out about like a couple of like those like transitional bands that were just like metalcore bands with hardcore parts so okay. like bands like the ghost inside and sure. counterparts was what yep. i w- what i got into at the time so it was like was counterparts a band back then yes yeah Damn, I, I did not know that they had been around that long okay yeah. got it yeah so I, I i found those two bands because i would listen to last fm all the time on my xbox oh yeah and, and they would just kind of pop up on the radio kind of like pandora um so i was like i like those fast parts that's really cool and then uh two steps was like uh, that's how i learned like what it what a two-step was um so that was like kind of my transition in and then i remember one time um, there was these two guys that I used to go to shows in, uh, in Lubbock with all the time. This guy named Edward and this guy named Elijah, who now plays drums in a band from San Antonio called Future Shock. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we grew up together in Lubbock. Very um, so uh, they got into hardcore before me. And I one time I got into Edward's car before a show and they were playing Climate of Fear. Ah, uh, yes. When the, when the panic on the streets breakdown hit, I was like, that's it. That's a litmus test right there. Cause if you hear panic into climate of fear and you're like, I'm not into it. It's like, I, I could firmly just be like, all right, well, hardcore is probably not 
it's that's not for you. If this does yeah. not elicit some kind of like hairs on the back of your neck standing up, then it's you probably into other stuff. But yeah. yeah, okay. So that so that 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 gripped you. Was there any kind of like, oh, this is from around here? Was like was that was there an aspect of that to you or no? Not really, because okay. I at the time I didn't really know that bitter in was from texas and uh, tr- truthfully because west Te- like lubbock is so far from the sure. rest of texas i was just different, like different planet almost that's a di- yeah that's a different world right. but um through that i fell down the rabbit hole that way and i started uh, like i think shortly after that there was um a hardcore band from amarillo they were called bare bones yes. um and uh they loved like the champion like uh but like a little bit harder kind of sound that, that was when sure. like when like backtrack was really getting their footing under them um okay. so it was it was like that transition from like the champion like type riff into doing more like quote-unquote harder stuff interesting so it was, it's that, i would like to hear that then because that, that's an interesting kind of transition to go from kind of like the like i don't know wave like wave three youth crew kind of fast, but, but then it, it's like, because that New York sound started getting popular to kind of transitioning into that, which is a fine, which is a fine transition. I, I can, I can understand the step, but I'd be curious to hear what that sounds like. Yeah. What were they called? Bare bones. They were called bare bones. I don't know if you can find it anywhere, but I'll try to, I'll try to, I'm, I'm, I'm curious sonically what that's like. So I'm, I'm going to look that up. Yeah. So uh, I remember vividly me and Austin, we were mm-hmm. still like metalcore kids at the time. And we went to the show um, in Slayton, which is even like population 7,000 people. Nice. Okay. Probably. I would guess. We um, and we went to a show there and they played and it felt like the room exploded. And mm-hmm. it was like, it was one of those things where you're mentally like, they're not playing this chuggy chug breakdown, but everybody's moshing. Like they're playing a chuggy chug breakdown. What is I that see. about? Like, it's like that, like broke my brain in a good way. I was like, this is cool. This is aggressive, but it's not like necessarily creepy sounding. Like I'm used to like what, and then I related it to like, that kind of sounds like the bitter end thing I heard. Like, mm-hmm. so that's that, that little live setting thing, even on a small scale was just, uh, there was probably 25 people at that show, sure. but like five people in a small room going as hard as they can. Yeah. Feels crazy. Cause you know, that is an interesting juxtaposition that I think about. Cause it's like, I would find my, it's like, you know, my background was like punk and hardcore, but I would find myself at certain metalcore gigs when I was like a teenager. And I do distinctly remember for some of them, it would be like everybody kind of waiting around to the breakdown. Mm-hmm. And like, I was used to, I was like, Oh, it's like, when I go to a hardcore show. Like everybody's kind of moving the whole time. So I'm sure if you had kind of been like, engaging in music in live settings in a live setting that where it was like, all right, people are like, they go off for like this part, but then they kind of like are chilling. Like a- until that part, seeing a band like that, I imagine would be like, Whoa, like what's you guys are breaking the rules. Like what's going on here? <laughs> like, yeah. It, it was, it was just like a, it was like, Oh my God, the whole time what's going on. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say like that, that kind of like made me, go the same direction i was going with like buying cds and trying like i was just changing my last fm stations that i was doing so instead i would i would do backtrack radio instead of like the ghost inside radio and this Uh, is 2011 yeah or 2011 2012 was when i got really into hardcore 
Sure. Okay. So, so you're starting listening to backtrack radio, like, you know, on last FM, what kind of stuff is, is that playing for you? Cause this is almost like algorithm before algorithm type yeah. type thing. Like what type of stuff is that playing for you that you remember like latching onto? So, um, as far as just finding stuff on the internet, like I'm, I'm admittedly just a child of the internet because sure. Lubbock, Lubbock didn't have a hardcore scene. Yeah. You, so, you have to learn that way. If you're out somewhere where there's not shows like that all the time. Yeah. So the way it would go is like, um, it would play like a rotting out song. And then I would Makes just, go, I would go on YouTube and search rotting out full mm-hmm. set and find the sound and fury video. And oh, then yeah. I would f- find trapped under ice from there. And then I would yep. find it, um, and like backtrack and I would find like, um, you know, just like the stuff of the time. Like there was a bunch of bands yeah. during that time that were touting that sound top 40 HC, so to speak of the early 2010s. So yeah, like the stuff you're talking about the T like, like the Reaper and Reaper adjacent exactly. catalog. Exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's like, you're, you're finding this stuff, like looking up videos. Um, like, yeah, I mean like, like YouTube becomes like, starts becoming like a resource. Cause this is kind of the first time period where you're able to like, I want to say, and I'm sure there's people that are a little bit older than me that are going to correct me on this, but I feel like just before this, like you would have live sets of like some stuff. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. be like every, every show now it's like every show is filmed like yeah um so but i feel like this is kind of starting a time period where like you can easily access videos of like of of shows that are happening like at the time be it either like hate five six or other just like videographers on youtube you know what have you um so what was you know like you're you're diving on this stuff like what, what was kind of your next step so simultaneous it was like a next step and like the current step at the same time was like i started there was a promoter in lubbock um or two guys that would bring like pop punk shows like they were the more diy promoters of the scene um and they kind of started bringing some hardcore shows here or there um so i started going to more of their shows rather than the big big metalcore promoter shows Mm -hmm. um so during that time there was it would like sparingly be like some really sick bands that came like uh, zabalba came through once and that was like a huge deal for us because i was hooked on the cold video like so so early um and it made sense to me because it's like zabalba's like hardcore death metal so yes it's like, that i feel like they are like a for someone that was into what you were into like a great transition band it was i just and i remember it was it was interesting for me when i first heard them i was like i was like I, you know it's like there was some i listened to some heavy stuff but at the same time i was like oh like this band's considered hardcore like i, yeah. I remember at the time being like so I, was, I was like this sounds like this sounds like metalcore to me it's like cool but it, it I, I was like surprised that they were getting such like lumped in with that, with the regular kind of like hardcore sound. Yeah. So I, they're a, a outstanding transitional band for, for that reason. Okay. So Zabalba comes through like who, who else? Uh, Harness played there once. Um, cool. They played this in this skate park that had the worst sound ever. It was, it was a skate park, but it was inside of an old cotton gin building. So the sound would just go, up and just dis- disappear you couldn't hear shit in there um harness came through um i remember a band called thin ice coming through one time oh. i want to say they were from like the midwest like maybe like st louis or something like that Was, i might be wrong I, I remember a black ice 
I don't know black, if I remember. Black, black Ice also came through. Yeah, because um, I remember doing Black Ice around this time period. This was in 2012. Yeah. I did a show. They, they played a show at my, my house. Yeah. So I, I kind of remember that. Okay. So that was like, there would be like sparing hardcore bands come through, but then there was like a couple of big ones that like really made a difference. So me, when I was like a junior, when I was 16, um, Mm -hmm. that was when I was like fully in. Um, And me and Austin, uh, the drummer of Judiciary. Yes. um, We basically during, because we grew up together, we rode the same bus, everything. Like we, I've known him since I was in kindergarten. Um, During lunch, we would eat lunch in his truck and just listen to hardcore records. During that time, that was when, when the smoke clears came out. Um, Yes, sir. All right. And foundation made their way to Lubbock. Um, Sick. Very sick. In one of the weirdest bills ever to this day. So, um, and it was perfect for me at the time because it was like, me still like I was into hardcore, but I was still like a toe into the other stuff. Sure. So it was a pop punk band opening. I can't remember what it was. Um, and then it was Ivy league from Midland. Oh yeah. Uh Oh, um, which like, that's kind of how we kind of connected with the Midland scene. That makes sense. Um, and then it was a plea for purging, which it was a, it was a Christian metalcore band. Uh, from Tennessee or something like that. Awesome. Um, And then it was foundation. Okay. Um, So a a real mixed bill. Yeah. Like a clearly mixed bill. It was great. Um, And there was like a few shows like that. Like there would be a hardcore band that would come through and the promoter would put like a pop punk band on here, there, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I, as a promoter, like that's a, I'll, I will do that now. Like it's just, you bring in, you bring in a bunch of different types of people at once. So in in Lubbock, when I started booking shows later on, I had to do that. Like there was no way I was going to get there, keep people to a hardcore show otherwise. Um, but, um, yeah. and, And like, I think that like during that time, Ivy league really hooked me in a, in a, in a big way. And the Midland hardcore scene in general really hooked me in a big way because they were getting like the cool shows at the time. Um, Interesting. Really? Yeah. Okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. So like during that time, so like around like 2012 to like 2014, probably um, they had this, it was probably around before that, but they had this DIY venue called the pine box. Um, okay. Oh, I've heard the name. Yeah, so they used to get the cool hardcore shows. Um, like Austin went to a title fight show there. I couldn't go there because it was school night. Um, oh. Yeah, it was, and it was like right, like right after Floral Green came out. So it was like title fight, title fight. Yeah, 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 um, like big, big mode title fight. Yeah, I saw like rotting out and take offense minus there sure. one time. There was a Hell show yeah. there that people have talked about on like before that was like it was like ten bands. Um, it was terror backtrack harm's way hundredth betrayal down presser, I think. And like a bunch of other bands that were just okay. all in Midland on the same day for some I, reason. I kind of, rem- so that I, what I think happened there. Cause I kind of remember this is I think that was two tours mm-hmm. that ended up being in the same place at once. Cause I, I remember some amalgamation of those bands playing Richmond right mm-hmm. around that time period. But yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't have been all of them. It was, so that must have been two tours at once that ended up being on the same same deal. Okay, got it. Yeah, but all that to say, that's like how like I we started going to shows in Midland just because like when you're in the hardcore, like I, you know at the time it's like oh I'm gonna drive two hours and go see Rotting Out for sure, like because I'm not gonna be able to otherwise. Yeah. Um. And so like and, and then like Ivy League would come up to Lubbock every once in a while. Um. And there were some other bands from Midland that like we really liked like um. 
Mongrel, which was just Ivy League's, not the current Mongrel, but it was yeah, basically yeah, yeah. Ivy League and their merch guy, Marcel, um, okay. doing a hardcore band. And it was Chill. fucking awesome. Um, oh, yeah. And then like there was a band called Callist, which is uh, uh, the current death metal band Flesh Rot. Um, oh really look at that all right yeah their singer was the singer of callist interesting okay cool um and then there was a few other bands around that time that like uh there's another band called black lantern um bunch of yeah bunch of bunch of bands that came out of the midland scene that i looked up to in like a real real way at this time though you're not playing music so i started playing in another band um when i was like a senior in high school um okay. and it was basically like a touche more like melodic type band so interesting what was that band called uh that band was called murietta like the city in california mm-hmm. what uh like okay so like away from touche what other stuff were you guys influenced by um like i was totally into like melodic hardcore at the time like ha- like have heart and like sure. um like the stuff like that um they listened to like some different like they liked like converge some like um okay there was there was a band called like loma prieta that oh like, yeah they they really so enjoyed was, so was this like a screamo band almost in a way yeah That's like kind of like what you're describing the, the parts you're describing to me are, are like kind of like equaling that but i wasn't sure it was it was a weird amalgamation of a band i was it was basically like oh this hardcore kid is singing for this band but it was like it was a strange lineup so like i was 17 at the time and i was just a hardcore kid in like a backtrack shirt and sure. then we have these two death metal guys on guitar that are like 27 and 28 nice. um and then our bassist was a 38 year old man who just wore an obituary hoodie every day i saw him. hell yeah that's cool Which, he was sick he was like one of the best bassists i've ever that seen guy's awesome <laughs> yeah and then it was our friend my friend cage um mm-hmm. who uh he like he he used to play in this band called urn from dallas and now he plays oh. in, in a band called mass appeal uh i know i know urn uh urn's yeah. still playing yeah because I, I think i'm i think i'm helping them out with a bay show um, yeah okay yeah got it yeah but uh so like it was that was a, a a strange lineup but it was basically like a melodic band and then i was uh, me and cage were kind of like yeah but hardcore is cool you know i see and, yeah i see okay so so you guys start doing that and, and like are you guys like playing like midlands and lubbock and like places around there yeah it was mostly lubbock um because we kind of fit on like a few different type of bills like we could fit on like a uh like we we played a bunch of like the indie rock shows which like in lubbock like that indie rock house house scene has always been pretty like consistent surprisingly sure. yeah um i mean it's college town so it makes sense i but- feel like again richmond being similar college town and uh, like if cops aren't like hassling you or whatever um so it, it it's like easy to do house spots yeah exactly but then we would play like a metal core show here there and then like we i remember one time we we played a census fail show oh okay um and that was the tour that expire was opening up for so like mm. i was like we need to play this show because obviously at the time i was like they were the the it thing they, they were big and i feel i feel like they like they weren't big around me, but I would, I would find that they were big in places like the middle of the country and like certain parts of like California and, and, and things like that. So it's like, that kind of makes sense too. It's like, because one thing that a lot of Midwest bands and Texas bands by design, I feel like had to do is they had to, you had to be on the road. Cause you couldn't just like, 
hit whatever fest like four hours or three hours away from you or yeah or what have you so i'm sure expire probably came through that area i remember them being a big road band so yeah. i feel like they probably came to that area like you know regularly or at least attempted to so that makes sense yeah and and uh, right around that time was uh you know Marietta was still going but that was <laughs> when we started judiciary and um, judiciary starts in what year 2013 right after i graduated high school okay so yeah. two questions how would the idea of judiciary come together one and then two unrelated to judiciary what was kind of your plan for your life after high school so uh for the first question um before judiciary uh this is a band i didn't mention before because it was barely a band but me um austin who plays drums in judiciary israel mm -hmm. who plays guitar in judiciary yep. um and edward the guy who played the bitter end record for me yes. uh we were in like a hardcore band or a hardcore band um it was like we were basically copying kublai khan at the time okay sure. um was that were they a band back then oh yeah they've been a band since like 2008 i think what yeah they've they've been a band for a long and they came through lubbock a few times that's why we like wanted to copy them so fast because i knew they'd been a band for a while. i didn't know they had been a band that long because they, i feel like i feel like they're hitting this kind of like crazy stride like right now they are and, fucking grinders man like they okay. have been a band for so fucking long and um it's it's cool to see them finally hit that stride interesting um, okay they've, yeah. they've carved their own fucking path um what part of texas are they from uh sherman so north of dallas it's basically going into oklahoma okay interesting okay got it yeah but um yeah so like we we played in like one of those like hardcore but really low tuning so basically metalcore bands mm -hmm. um and uh i pretended to play bass in that band because nobody else would play bass and then uh uh basically that band dissolved just because um we were not very good <laughs> and uh and and so uh edward was just like i don't want to do this anymore so but me austin and israel were like we still want to play music yeah. um so the original idea for judiciary was to do like a half heart worship band um interesting yeah. okay but what happened was we were we were so austin lived out in the country by a cotton field and it's natural um we so we would practice at his house because there was no neighbors or anything yeah and, yeah and so when we would jam like we would try to do this melodic stuff and it wasn't really working. Um, but then in between that, the classic brand practice thing where, you know, uh, Israel is just like playing expire or backtrack riffs and it Austin's drumming along to it. Cause he likes that too. Mm -hmm. And we found out that we were a lot better at that than the, than the melodic stuff. I see. Okay. So we were just like, fuck it. Let's make it a hard band. Sure. Um, let's, let's take a left turn. No problem. Yeah, so that's when we decided to just be judiciary. Like the demo was essentially just like the hardcore of that time worship. So like yeah, trapped under eyes, soul search, backtrack, like that kind of stuff. I, and that's, that's what I, I, I kind of remember. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then to answer your second question, what uh, you know, my life yeah. mm -hmm. view was at that time. Um, so I, I uh, went to Texas Tech University um, for okay. public relations. Is that um, in Lubbock? Yes. Yes. Okay. So you're, yeah. you're, so you're still right there. Got it. Yeah. So, um, and I stayed in Lubbock because I was like, all my friends are here. And I also started booking shows around that time too. I see. Okay. Um, 
uh, so I was like, you know, all my friends are here. I, you know, want to stay here because, you know, I want to book shows. I want to do this band thing. So, and it was just like Texas Tech is like a good university that's like, um, I don't have to pay for a dorm and everything like that. I'll just live with my parents and go to school. So easy. Yeah. So that was my, that was my plan was just go to college. Pretty, pretty white meat way to go around it. Go to college, get a job and, you know. Did you know what you wanted to do? Um, I know that I wanted, I went into PR because it was pretty like broad. I know I wanted to do something in like media just because like I kind of landed on that because of my music connection. I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, PR is everywhere. Like every company needs PR, blah, 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 blah. Um, so that's kind of why I chose it, but I didn't have like a clear like direction, which is like classic, like, you know, American college experience. That, that's, you just kind of pick something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just pick something and then go for it. Yeah. Okay, uh, so, so you end up going to school. You're still in Lubbock, and judiciary starts. So it's definitely like, it sounds like a, like, like a new phase of life. Yeah, so to absolutely. Speak. Um, how you know judiciary starts, uh, and it kind of once you, the demo comes out, and you had landed on like a sound. How you know, kind of like how does that journey begin? Like what 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 were what was the lay of the land? So. When when Judiciary started, um, we recruited our base, our old bassist Kyle. Um, he just stepped out of the band, um, but uh, we recruited him to play bass. We just knew him from going to shows. He was like a little bit older than us, um, so and he we were just like, hey, we don't have a bassist, and he was like, cool, I'll buy gear because we he we sent him the tracks that we uh, recorded on the phone, and he was like, oh, this is cool. Um, so he. Uh, bought gear and we played our first show in October of 2013 um, okay. with cross me and blood mm-hmm. stand still and mongrel from Midland. So, okay. Got it. Um, pretty, pretty cool show, uh, which is funny because uh, Jimmy who was in cross me is now in judiciary. Is, yeah. But say now he's, he's in the band. So yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. So like that, that kind of like with Kyle in the band, he kind of like, because he was older and like, he's super like, he won't mind me saying this. He's like pretty neurotic, like guy. He was just like, we were just kids being like, okay, we're going to go to the, like the cheapest guy to like record this thing and like cheapest dude to this. And he was just like, no, if we're going to do it, we're going to fucking do it. So, yeah. So like we emailed Daniel Schmuck because we, we liked some of the recordings he did. He recorded like the Armageddon blues EP from power trip. Um, Oh really? Okay. Yeah. Um, vulgar display, um in times a bunch damn of dude now i'm hearing the between like axis of equality and armageddon blues i hear the similarity yeah okay wow yeah. okay i never made the one-to-one on that and that makes complete sense all right sure yeah so, so when the demo came out like that was like early 2014 mm-hmm. um and we were still just playing shows in lubbock i was booking shows um you, i mean i'm sure you know at the time like bailey and doyle over at state of mind touring uh, yeah and, and I go, sorry, go ahead. Oh, they were just giving me everything they could, which was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so like, like, like the stuff. So for people that don't know at the time, state of mind, which is still a company, uh, they, you know, that was kind of who I won't call it like, one, uh, like a monopoly, but like, that was like mainly who was doing all the hardcore at the time. Um, if you were a band that was doing like, like if you were going to be on the road, you know, like on a, on like a regular basis. Uh, and you had an agent that was, that was the company that was probably representing you. Um, 
so I, I distinctly re- remember this time period for sure. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I know what you're talking about. So that, that was essentially like a bunch of judiciary's first shows were just me and Kyle booking the shows, Doyle and Bailey throwing us any like full hardcore band they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of peaked with a show in Lubbock that was, um, it was backtrack expires the ball and down presser. Oh, wow. Okay. Which Killing. like for Lubbock, we were like, Oh my God god like this is, this, it. Is, this is like all this is like what we want yeah that was our sound in fury like yeah. <laughs> so sure. uh yeah that was just kind of how that time period went was those, i was just booking shows and then the first time we went around off on the road was around that time because um some people in texas started finding the demo so um so where where are the first places that you kind of like go out to play like that uh so the first out of lubbock show or out of west texas show we played midland once twice i can't remember um but out of uh lubbock we played san antonio um, which is where i live now and still our favorite place to play um i mean it's it's also just like i think universally people really like playing san antonio in general yeah so you know you always hear like really good stuff yeah uh, about san antonio yeah so we so sorry go ahead we met we we ended up in san antonio because um hard side and afflictive nature from san antonio played amarillo once got it and okay. we we drove up to Am- amarillo just for their show mm. um and uh pat who sings in afflictive nature yep. um and uh zane who sings in hard side were basically just like yo you need to come to san antonio we'll book you a show okay um okay. so they, they but we we did a weekend where we played a show on a friday at the white rabbit mm-hmm. and a, a show a house show on that saturday both in san antonio um yeah i love that i i yeah. like i like being able to play the same place twice in in a time period i i feel like i feel like i don't see that happen enough i kind of wish i did see that happen like more often because there are actually some scenes out there that like can sustain that actually yeah. Um, the shows don't have to be giant. You can just do a couple mixed up, you know, kind of vibes. Uh, that's cool though. Okay. So, so you get out there, the shows are good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Good shows. People are liking y'all people, you know, people are, are kind of, uh, are, are, are into it. Like what was, what was kind of the next move? Next move was just kind of finding a way out of Lubbock. Um, I Kyle stepped away from booking shows and I was still booking shows here or there in Lubbock, but it, it kind of got to a point where it was like, I was losing money on every show. Um, when West, when I say West Texas comes in waves, this was when it started to break. Start going um, down, yeah. yeah. So I kind of made the decision to like, okay, I'm only going to take a show if it's worth it. Um, sure. And I'm just going to put my eggs in this judiciary basket. Um, okay. Because I can't afford to keep on losing money. Was essentially yeah, no doubt. Of course not. Yeah. Um, so the next step from there was uh, the access of equality. Um, okay. So we started, we played a few shows around Texas off, off the demo. Like we played Laredo, Corpus Christi, um, San Antonio again. Um, and then we started writing the acts of equality around like 20 sometime in late 2015 or mid 2015. Okay. That, that sounds about accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And then we recorded it in the fall of 2015, I believe. Okay. So, and, and that comes out in 2016, January 1st, 2016. Okay. So new year's day, 2016. Yeah. And, uh, it was now remind me, 
was was there a physical for that or was that all on, online so uh we only the only physical that we made for it at the time was tapes Okay, um, cool. when it, when it originally came out um because that's the same thing we did for the demo sure. um and then later down the line we self-released vinyl um, okay because i but see, like, I, I thought there was a vinyl for that because i kind of remember it like that is when i heard about y'all mm-hmm. i heard about y'all like off of that release and so it, it it felt very much so like oh this is like a physical re- this is like a physical release you know you know what have you but i wasn't sure yeah that was that was probably later in 2016 or maybe okay. early even early 2017 was when we did that, that because i think that's when i heard about it actually yeah because I, I, I feel like i heard about it like a year later because that's when we started getting out on the road was 2016. Uh, okay all right yeah. and then and, and what are your first forays you know on the road like what like kind of like what was the first stuff you did so before the axis of equality came out we got asked to play what is now midwest blood fest or what is now ldb fest ldb okay and so it was midwest blood then uh what year 20 so 2016 2016 sure yeah so um we played that and around that we did um just kind of like a midwest tour so like the first out of state show we played was in springfield missouri and then uh it was springfield cincinnati louisville and then like nashville and then Mm -hmm. i think one other play memphis um so, so just a quick run through the Midwest and back to Texas, essentially. 20, I'm, dude, I'm trying to think. I swear I might have played that year, too. You might Was have. it? What is it in like, like a 300-ish cap type room? Um, was it the year that another mistake broke up? Yes. We played the same year. It was like a weird yeah. warehouse setup. Weird warehouse setup. Yeah. Like uh there was a re- there's a wrestling ring collapse on the back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where yep. the merch was and stuff in, in the back in the back there. Okay. Yeah. Uh did you guys play Friday or Saturday? Do you remember? I believe it was Saturday. Could we play the same day then? Um, because I remember I, I I remember my distinct memory of going to that was going early the rest of my band arrived like the day after but i remember going and i kept hearing about this band that uh people were like really into and that i had to check out um and like that was like gonna be the next big thing it's this band called knock loose mm-hmm. i remember like watching like not for me uh but uh, i remember watching and being like damn kids really like this and they like middle of the day yeah like, kids are really fucking with this band like people are really into it lo and behold um, but okay. All right. So, so we were in the same place. Didn't even know it. All right. I got you. That was, that was a fun year. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. But that was like our first little soiree into like the, the touring world. But then, um, after that, uh, we got asked to play sound and fury the year that it came back. Um, Damn. so that was, was that 16 or was that 17? That was 16. James, you got that. Ooh, good for y'all. Okay. So, so you do, uh, what was that? Regent? Yeah, that was at the region. Um, mm-hmm. and it was that that felt I remember where I was when we got asked. Like that's how much like um because like not to get like just like totally sentimentally, but we're just a fucking band from West Texas. And I'll do it. Watching watching videos from Sound and Fury was like what got me into hardcore. So mm-hmm. it was like I remember I was walking outside of the media communications building at Texas Tech and I just looked at my phone and I saw a DM 
from Sound and Fury IMO at, on Twitter, and it was just like, "Hey, what's up?" And uh, they said, "Are you are you guys busy in the summer?" So, like playing like, that, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not even a little bit. Um, so playing that, like was unbelievable to us and yeah. like we got to do it with our friends in bloodhound from san antonio um oh, cool. we both got to play the same year back to back with each other um are at this time are you kind of making connections to people like other scenes and yes. like other places okay so who who are y'all kind of like like linking up with so um because of the way that things worked out so like I said, we're from Lubbock. I, we Mm -hmm. didn't travel much before this. So like, as much as I would love to say, sit here and say that we like self-booked our first tour didn't happen that way. Um, we were like, please, we need a manager. We don't uh, an agent. We don't know an agent, anybody. Um, so our agent took us through that Midwest tour. So through that, we found a bunch of like the Midwest guys, like within like the Ohio scene, like the, the breaking wheel guys, the, um, like the uh, there was a band called by force um that used to be from ohio uh, breaking Novi- wheel is that is that mike does like, yes. mike Michigan. Go, would go on to be never in a game okay yes okay, yeah got it and then we uh the no victory guys they were out all the time and around that time I remember um, that. and then when we went to sound and fury we did a tour around that and that, that was when we got linked up with the california people um, okay and and we, what tour who who and kind of like what tour did you do around that so um uh, just to backtrack a little bit we actually met a couple of the california people before that because vamakara played this fest in san antonio that we played in early 2016 um I see. Okay. so so i met like xavier uh jaffe of like all yes. of those guys there and then we went to california and hung out with them Sound of Fury. um okay. so like we got linked up we played a show in like inland in uh in murrieta uh, mm-hmm. which is funny. Oh, look um, at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we played a show in Murrieta and, uh, met like a few people from the scene, like, in, like the OC scene and like some mm-hmm. of like the Southern, um, that's where I met, uh, Josh and Jordan, uh, from momentum, uh, oh, at that wonderful. show. Okay. And that was yeah. right before momentum came out because they were, they came up to me and asked who did our art because oh, they liked it. So oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That so that's, we got linked up with them. And then after sound and fury, we went up to the Bay. Um, mm-hmm. and we, you know, I already knew like Jaffe. So he introduced me to a couple of people up there. You um, conduit for that. Yep. Oh yeah. And then, uh, that tour got sh- cut short because our, our, uh, our, we were, uh, touring in Austin's grandma's suburban and, nice. um, uh, yeah, it, she was so gracious enough to let us borrow that thing but Wonderful uh, we destroyed it in vegas essentially it broke down um we we had to get it fixed and just go straight home so we missed playing a show in colorado um oh, which that show in colorado would have been sick it would have been us afflictive nature bloodhound regulate and blind justice oh that would have been sick yeah that would have been really but, sick yeah but we just couldn't make it because of it uh, sure so damn yeah it happened, but uh, yeah, that was kind of ha- the first kind of scenes that we got linked up with. That okay, way. so you're getting to do like you know, it's like you had started two ish years prior, and like now your first kind of like step out into into the like the world. It's, it's a pretty solid one. You're playing like you know, big festival. Uh, you know, you're playing like like you know, Midwest Blood that would turn into you know, eventually turn into something like like much larger. Um, 
you know, and, and, and everything. So you see, so you're having like a, like a nice run here uh, and what have you. Are you done with school at this time or are you still in college? So I'm still in college during this time. Okay. Um, right. And it, it's funny you asked that because uh, in later 2016, we actually got an offer to play for the Children Fest. Um, oh, yes. And we also got offered to play a couple of days around that with Cruel Hand. Um, oh, okay. Yep. It was it was Cruel Hand, Lifeless, Varials, and Us on the day. Interesting we lineup. Yeah. First, because because I feel like twenty. This is twenty sixteen. Yes, late twenty sixteen. Lifeless is such an interesting entity because I I remember they had been around for a while. Uh, I remember like playing with them in like twenty ten. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably have a like, different like vocalist at this time and 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 what have you. Okay, this this is this is in in varials is like operating in a completely like different world. Yeah, as well. They, this is an interesting lineup. Okay, all right, sorry, go on. Yeah, so th- all that to say that was around the time uh, that finals were around, oh, um, and so. <laughs> Well, so uh, also to back up during the Sound and Fury uh, days, I was also in school then, um, and I or no, 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 no the LDB tour. That's um, it. But say, uh, uh-uh, uh, that was summer. Yeah, it was like March, uh, and okay, yeah. I I went to. I was only gonna like miss one class m- more, or like one class, but I was gonna fall into the attendance policy. So I went to my professor. Um, and like said, like, Hey, I'm in this band, I'm going on tour. Sorry. Like, can I just get the, the slides from like the lectures I'm missing? And he was like, come to my office. Long story short, he ended up buying a tape. He's a fan oh. of judiciary and he's gone oh, to yeah. like several of our shows since that's then. very sick. Fuck so yeah. Dr. King, if you're listening to this, fuck yeah. Um, Shout out Dr. King. yeah, but, um, and then like the cruel hand tour, I was still in college and, uh, it was like we did like four days. So we like drove all the way to Arizona, played that did LA, uh, mm-hmm. did another show. And then I think we did the Bay and then we drove 20 plus hours straight back to Lubbock just so I could sleep for two hours and then go take a final. Jesus Christ. How were those shows? They were good. Um, okay. Like, like like 2016 cruel hand. You can kind of go either way. I'm just like, they were like, I was there for their heyday and uh, endless respect to them, but it's just like facts are facts. Like I'm curious what it, what it was like during that time period. So uh, when I say they were cool, they were cool for us. Um, I don't know so, how they, I don't know how they felt about them because again, right, we're right. just, we're from Lubbock at that time. It yeah, was like, you're just Oh happy. my, Oh my God. 80 people are here. Yeah. That's, that's like insane. Um, yeah. So like, Arizona was super kind to us for the children was like one of our like biggest breakout things so far. Like we cool. felt like Fuck it yeah. was like, we felt like we really won a lot of people over at for yeah. the children that year. Um, and then the Bay show was cool. And mm-hmm. uh, that show, that lineup was fucking crazy too. Cause it was the tour lineup. And then it was uh, this little band from San Jose called drain. Oh yes. <laughs> and, and then, uh, uh, another band from the Bay called Hands of God having their first oh, show. 
Indeed. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I vividly remember that because Sammy just got on stage doing his whole, what's up guys. I'm so happy you're here. Like yeah. <laughs> every day of my life is the best day I've ever had in my life. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> like I, the other guys like left to go get food and I watched them and I was like, yo, it's fucking sick. And I made friends with him something. at that show. Yeah. He was like, obvious. I mean, anybody, everybody knows like he, if you talk to him, he makes you feel like you're the most special person. He really world. does. So yes. like I connected, like I would connect him with really nice because he was really nice that day. But yeah, those shows were good. Uh, all that to cool. say. Okay, so you come back. This is end of twenty sixteen, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, into twenty seventeen, kind of like what you're having some breakout sets. You're getting some good opportunities. Uh, mm-hmm. What is kind of the next? You know, like you. Well, first question: You finished school when? Um, around that time, 2017. Okay. So, so the, the following spring is your last semester. Yeah. Okay. So kind of like 2017 beginning of the year and end of the year, kind of finishing school. What, what is your lay of the land? So the lay of the land at the time was like, we were, like you said, like getting some cool opportunities and it was like, I mean, um, this isn't going to be around for like, a long time might as well strike while the iron's hot um sure. so i kind of like went into it with the mentality of like um you know trying to put like a little bit more into it and foregoing some like you know life shit to um try to see you know what what could happen there um right which which like i'm glad i did because we gained a lot more fucking opportunities that way so like next step from there was we wrote um the mortality rate split songs. Okay. Um, oh, that's right. Y'all did do that. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was released some, sometime in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and we played like a few, like, uh, we did like a tour off of that. Um, and we did a headliner, a co-headliner with uh stone, uh, which oh, is yep. how mm-hmm. we got, how we got hooked up with Jimmy at the time. Okay. Um, that makes sense. Because like I knew him because I booked Cross Me in Lubbock once. We played that mm-hmm. first show with them. Um, so like I knew him, but then Stone, we did that tour of Stone before they inevitably, you know, uh, had yeah, stop. Their, yeah, they're stopped because of their singer. Um, yes. So uh, we we kind of got hooked up with him in that way. That tour was cool. Um, and then during that time, we were like, okay, we need to write the next record. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, which ended up becoming surface noise. And at that, that stone to have you had at this point in time, y'all played the East coast at all. The stone tour we did, we okay. went, that was we your went, first time. Yeah. Yeah. I think Very the first, the furthest North we got was probably, was probably North Carolina, but like that was, that was interesting okay so you you hadn't done any northeast we had admittedly a hard time getting up to the northeast at first we played a lot of midwest shows um which which makes sense i mean also the northeast is far from yeah Mm -hmm. that is physically not a close place to you know to to get to yeah and again like we didn't fucking know anybody like, yeah, it, true. It, like it, even in like the Texas scene, like we, we didn't know like that many people just because we were so far removed That's from true. everything. Um, and so like it, we, 
as a band, it's been kind of a reoccurring thing where it's like, you know, we don't get like offers just being thrown at us every day. Um, and like even early on, it was even more that like um, East coast was kind of like a hard thing to win over for us at first. Yeah. Um, and, and, it's, and I think also, especially like, I think back to like myself, it's like, there was another promoter in town that would do kind of like state of mind shows. But like I, at the time was like almost on a strict, like, I got to know you to do a gig for you yeah. type type situation. And and I know a lot of other East coast promoters were like that too. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's like, you had like, like different, like Greg Mongoloid, I feel like was kind of like more tapped into like agent stuff where I loved it was braces. Um, and, but then like, kind of like, you know, like other people would be like, you know, like Joe hardcore would kind of do both and like Bob Wilson, same thing. And then like New York, like had like long Island stuff, but I feel like they were a little more tapped into state of mind. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of scenes in between what was kind of like, you know, like if, if somebody's, if somebody's vouched for you, we'll do the gig or if we know you personally, but like, I could see that feeling kind of guarded and hard to break into. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't think we got up into the Northeast until surface noise or right before surface noise was out because Vane took us on tour. Okay. That, and that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. So you're writing this record. How do you, how, how does kind of the closed casket deal come, come together? So we went in and we, we recorded uh surface noise with Taylor young. Um, oh, okay. So you, you had already kind of made a connection to like California. What, yeah. what, what happened with that? Yeah. We, we had made a connection to him earlier than that because he actually mixed and mastered access of quality and the mortality rate split. Um, okay. So like it was a thing where like we already knew him and we liked the way he mixed that stuff. So we were like, we're going to go to him for the, for the record. But at the time we didn't have anybody to put it out. We were at the time we were still self-releasing those acts of equality vinyls that we had mm -hmm. um, and just doing it all ourselves. Um, and we were self-funding us going to Taylor to record. Cause we were just like, I mean, nobody's, nobody seems interested. So like, we might as well just do it ourselves. Cause you know, if we, if we're not, nobody else will. Yeah. You've um, already done it once, you know? So it's yeah, like, yeah. You, why couldn't you just do it again? Yeah. So when, and like, we went into the studio basically saying like, okay, once this is done, maybe we can shop it around and see sure. like, if, any, if anybody wants to put it out. Um, when we got there, Taylor had already listened to the song. Cause we asked, we asked him to produce it. Um, mm -hmm. and he liked it. Um, and while we were there, he was like, by the way, do you guys have anybody like putting this out? And uh, we were kind of just like, no, I, we we're just trying to shop it around and maybe self-release it. And uh, mm. uh, he was like, I'll send it to Justin. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and I think that we were already like, I think that Justin had heard about us at that point because he had like, I was... I was so neurotic about like any sort of like little thing with my band. Like uh, I noticed that it's closed casket followed us on Twitter and sure. I like, and I was like, that has to mean something. That means something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like when, and like we kind of told Taylor, like if we were going to put out a record on any label, closed casket makes the most sense. Like that I would, would be, uh, I would say for the time period, absolutely. That, yeah. that would have made the most sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Taylor, since the, like when, when we were midway recording the record, um, he sent a few songs to Justin and, uh, Justin was basically just like, 
yeah, I'll get on a call with them when they get home. Um, so Taylor was Taylor is completely to owe for us getting on close casket. Like shout out, I um straight up like we he has done a lot for us and vouched for us really hard throughout yeah. our tenure as a band. Um, so like all the love in the world, Taylor. Like Beautiful. I can't I can't appreciate him enough. Um, but um, yeah, that's kind of how we got linked up with Justin, and uh, he you know, said that he liked the record and wanted to put it out. So we, uh, we, we got linked up with him that way. So that, you know, you do the process recording with Taylor, you know, you end up talking to Justin, Justin's into it, wants to do it. When does that, when does the LP come out and kind of like, what, what do you remember about like right after it comes out? So the LP came out, I believe in early 2019 i think it was like january of 2019 it was really that late okay no 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 no, no. 2018 i was like like, bro i don't think so (laughs) yeah it was it was early 2018 i was yeah um because uh at right after that was our 2018 was like our busiest year that we that we had as a band okay um so um, right after that, we did a release tour and, uh, we kind of just did regional support with us headlining. So like in the Midwest, we had, um, like low end, um, mm-hmm. because we were already linked up with Jimmy at that point. Sure. Yep. Um, he went, uh, we also went to Europe shortly after that record came out, mm-hmm. um, for the first time. And, uh, that was insane for us. Um, was that just y'all or did y'all go with other people? So our first time in Europe was us and this band called Guilt Trip from the Oh, UK. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Guilt yeah. Trip. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Heavy. Yeah. 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 So they were like, they, they were awesome because I think that was their first time in the mainland as well. So cool. we got to be first timers in Europe together. Um, and, and around that time um, was when Jimmy started like being more in the band because that was when Stone dissolved. Oh, and yeah. Um, there was a guy, one of our guys couldn't go. So there was a guy that was going to fill in on base and two weeks before that tour started, he calls us and he's like, Hey, um, can't do it. So that was like literally a day after all of the stone things came out. Um, and stone had a whole year of touring lined up. So I called Jimmy and I was like, Hey, I'm sorry if this is weird. I know you have nothing going on now. I know you got some time. Yeah. 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 And so I was like, do you want to go to Europe with us for like three weeks? And he's like, how far away is it? Two weeks away. He's like, let me call my boss real quick. And, uh, he called his boss, bought a plane ticket and we went to Europe together after that. There you go, man. Hell yeah. So you go to Europe and the shows are good. Yeah. We got really lucky. Our first Europe tour, honestly. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Cause that just Um, doesn't fucking happen for bands. No, I mean like, I I got lucky my first foray over there because it was we were supporting down to nothing. So oh, it was like yeah. it was like easy, you know, for for breakaway. Uh then the second time we headlined and it was like the shows were small, but it was just happy to be there, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Um but yeah, so if you had a first Yeah, y'all kind of have luck like that though. Cause I remember the first time I saw you on Richmond kids were like really into it. And I was like, Oh, that doesn't always happen for a band's first time. First time there. I remember it was that Acacia strain tour. Yeah. That was the first time I met you outside yep. of the internet. Cause yep. we, we showed up on your doorstep at like 2 AM. Cause I was oh, like, that's hey, right. 
Yeah, I was like, hey, can we like sleep at your place like before like, the show? <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, it's, it's, my place is great for that. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Yes. So, is that the same year? Is that is that also is that eighteen or is that nineteen? Dedication Strain Tour. Uh, that that was nineteen. Okay. So you guys are you guys were busy. You guys were like after the record comes out, you did it right. You, yeah. you hit the road a lot. Yeah, we did. Um, after the record came out, we played like a couple of fests too. Like we played LDB that year. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, I believe we played for the children again. Killer. Um, and then we did like uh, the headliner, and then a couple little shows here or there, and then 2019 was like a busy, busy year um, because we did. What did we do? We did some tour early in the year, and then we like in the summer to like fall was our busiest time. So we went. From doing that Acacia Strain tour, which was Acacia Strain, mm-hmm. Kublicon, Us, and Chamber. Yep. Um, yep, I remember. Straight into a week with Knocked Loose. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. Which, oh, yeah. Earlier in the year, we also did Europe with Vamakara. So it oh, was like, shit. You were going, damn, you were just going to Europe, though. So we you we just went, like, went like, we went ahead. to Europe in 2018 uh, in, during like June, I think, and then uh-huh. 2019 in May. So, okay, so about a about a year. All right. Yeah. Gotcha. So we went to Europe with Vamakara in May. And then in all, in July, we started the Acacia Strain tour. Mm-hmm. And then we drove straight from New York to Illinois to meet up with uh uh Knock Loose, Eternal mm-hmm. Sleep, and Foreign Hands for okay. like a week. Um, and that was their like little, they were playing like small club shows for like the record release of uh, a different shade of blue. Um, okay. Small and, meaning what though? So like when I, outside of their release show, we were playing like 300 cap rooms in okay. like, in like D markets. Um, okay. Okay. Which, Got it. Which, okay. Sure. Which for that time they were already selling out like twelve. Oh, I mean, bro, they're they're like huge. So it's yeah. like that's that's an interesting. I mean, cool. They do shit like that though. I feel. I feel like they do stuff to like kind of like like to, for lack of a better term, and not like throw a bone, but like that's not the way I would I would view it. But like they like they'll do some grassroots stuff, and I so that makes sense. Yeah. So we we did those small shows, and then we played their release show with them mm-hmm. um which was super fucking cool like that was like a huge moment for them and it was cool to like be linked up with them on that big day for them mm-hmm. um and then we came back home and then last tour before covid uh we did six weeks with gate creeper exhumed and necrot so that is a really interesting tour for y'all yeah like those three make a ton of sense to together for sure um I've seen exhumed like a billion times somehow. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and so, but so that, that was an interesting, how did, how did those shows go for you guys? We had to work our asses off to win people over. I'm uh, sure. But like one thing I kind of, one thing I really like about us is that I feel like we, we can play most heavy music shows. Yeah. you are pretty spot. metal. Yeah, yeah. Y'all, are pre- y'all are very metal, in fact. So it's like that's not. But but those the the like neck. Okay, so I can get I can divide it up by fan base. Mm-hmm. Gate creep gate creeper fans into it. They were not easy. surprised. Easy exhume fans, pretty into it. But I they, could see, yeah, but they're they're just excited and but they're also like so there for exhumed. Like they 
they only want to see exhumed, but like they're happy you're here. Yeah, that, that's big time exhumed fan energy. Yes. Yeah. Um, Necrot fans. Uh-uh. Not having it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we I'm, want we went over a few, but like they they were uh, the amount of times I got scoffed at by a dude in a mayhem shirt was like crazy. Necrot the- fans, I feel like only want to hear death metal. Yes. And like and like stuff that is like maybe even like more like leans like even like more like punk oriented. I yes. I would say so. So I could see judiciary being like off. This isn't this isn't for me like kind of situation uh whereas like a different type of metal tour like more like a deathcore tour i could see y'all smashing on yes um so like occasion strange stuff like chamber and all that i oh we crush i'm not surprised at all yeah okay cool 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 all right but like the the tour was pretty good for us still like i said like the gate creeper exhumed and like the gate creeper and exhumed fans liked us and we picked up a few necrop fans along the way and like the package was like fun to be around man like yeah the, the exhumed guys were all like super nice um mm-hmm. we've been friends with the gate creeper guys for like since i we played with them first in like 2016 and yeah i got, I got like chase's number at that show and we've been friends ever since now israel's fucking in gate creeper yeah so. he's in gate creeper so it's like yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense and then like um, Necro- necrot even though they you know like uh, have their own thing going like in their own crowd they were super welcoming to us too so, so like i'm playing with them in October and I've never seen or played with them before. So I'm, I'm, but people have been telling me to like, Oh, like make sure you watch them. Dude, so I'm, I'm going to check it out. Watching them every night was like my favorite part of that tour. Like Hell they're, yeah. they are so dialed and so cool to watch. Like it's, cool. it's like the, like when you, it's like for lack of better term, like I want to see a death metal band and, and they that's are what, that's that what band. they are. You yeah. know, they're from, they're like from East, bay and i it's so it's mm-hmm. like they like are from like around like where, like where i'm at most of the time and i just i don't know the last time they played locally but uh i, I want to see them out here too i want to see them kind of like an, on on home turf um but uh okay so you, you do that one but and that's the last tour yeah um we we kind of were like okay we've had like a busy fucking year like we need to start writing the next record mm-hmm. um we had some stuff planned. We had some shows planned at the beginning of the year. So we played, uh, LDB 2020. Yep. Uh, and then then we, which was like a really breakout set for us too. Um, and then we played a show in San Antonio. That was like the most violent show we've ever played. And then what was the lineup? What was the, give me the details. It was all local. It was us. Uh, it, it was, it was us and um, a bunch of San Antonio bands. So I believe no, that isn't the one that Afflictive Nature played. Um, I, I, I forgive me, San Antonio hardcore. I'm forgetting the lineup, um, but I do I do know that it was fucking tight. Um, and um, yeah, it was it was a sick show. And then like a few weeks later, that's when lockdown happened. Um, but that the so, original plan was to write and then we had a tour in august that we were going to do that got canceled what was that tour going to be uh i don't remember the full lineup but i do know that rotting out was headlining okay so, oh yeah. yeah i think i kind of remember getting hit up for that maybe like even like a like a booking ahead of time like someone's like somebody i can't remember who was asking if i could do that around then i think mm-hmm. um so what did you do when when you know everything got locked down so I was still living in Lubbock at the time. Um, but 
um, I was planning on moving to San Antonio in July, like no matter what. Right. Um, so when I was living in Lubbock, because I was touring all the time, I was just doing like Uber, Uber Eats delivery. Um, oh yeah. You and I've talked about that before. Cause I, I've done Uber Eats before too. So okay. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So I did like, uh, like Uber stuff, which like I have a million fucking Uber stories, but, um, they, uh, uh, I, I was just doing that and then like lockdown happened. So it's like, Oh fuck, you can't like really do that anymore. Um, so around that time I was really pushing my design stuff, um, to yes. save up. And then, uh, you know, like everybody, uh, I, I, we were taking government money from there. Sure. Um, yep. because it was just like, what else am I going to do? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I ended up saving up enough. Um, I wasn't doing anything cause we couldn't. So I ended up saving enough to move to San Antonio with my girlfriend in July. Um, and got a job pretty quickly down here and, uh, just kind Do, of, what did you that. end up, ended up doing like job wise down there? So I got a, a, sales job for an led lighting company down here. Okay. Um, cool. essentially, which like, I only worked there for a few months because it was kind of like a, skeevy company um Dude, I, I'm, I'm a salesman too and yeah. it, it's like it, it it's the worst vibe working in somewhere that feels like unethical like yeah like that. it's it sucks well I, I hate like really like going in cold kind of shit like yeah. and the whole business model was essentially just like San the city of san antonio has like a rebate program for people to switch to led lights because mm-hmm. it's better for the environment sure. and um the whole business model was based off of that. So essentially I would just try to like call and schedule meetings with businesses to see if I could switch them over to led lighting, which like for a bunch of those businesses, like they got led lights installed for free. And we basically just got paid by the city to install them. I see. Okay. Um, So that was, it felt skeevy because I, it, it just felt like I was just like these people, like it feels like they're just like, don't want me here and like it feels weird and i wasn't getting paid like very very regularly so was it 100 commission yeah um which was brutal and but i needed a job at the time yeah yeah i've i've been doing sales since 2020 and i like refuse to do any like 100 commission it's like i need to kind of base salary type situation my dad w- was 100 commission he fucking loved it but, but like me nah i i ain't dealing with that shit so yeah um but i got a better shop job shortly after that um oh. i work for a uh, industrial supply company that's like one of the largest in the country oh yeah um, awesome and um I, I work sales i work completely virtual um cool and i just you know i have like 300 accounts that I oversee and Ooh, just make nice, sure man. That, they're, that they're good and ready to go. So that's been a, a solid job for me ever since I moved here. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. And Beautiful. Uh, been working out a plan for touring. Um, so it's been there good. There we go. So yeah. you, uh, cause uh, yo, I know, I know a lot of people that do remote sales that are still able to be on the road, like no problem. Um, will, uh, guitarists have been forced. That's that's, he does that for like a paint company. Like, mm-hmm. um, so it, it, it's definitely doable. So you, uh, you know, you, you get down there, get settled, get the new job. What do you end up doing when, you know, and not, not in 2020, but 2021 when lockdown rescinds, what's kind of the first deal for you guys? So 2021, 2020 through 2021 was, we, we need to write this record. And it was a right. fucking painstaking process because mm. 
basically our method blew up in our face because of lockdown. So we essentially like we had to learn how to be a band completely virtually and at a distance because at the time, um, like I lived in San Antonio, Austin, Mm -hmm. Kyle, our old bassist lived in Austin. Jimmy lived in Wisconsin and uh, Israel lived in Lubbock. Right. Um, So it was like, we, I was like, okay, let's buy Israel gear. Let's teach him how to use this recording software. Oh yeah. Pass stuff back and forth and then fly Jimmy down once every blue moon, just to blow, like blow a a whole weekend of practice to try to write this thing. Um, So 2020 and 2021 were pretty like, and a good part of 2022 was trying to get our shit together and write the record. Um, And, uh, you know, we didn't really play a whole lot of shows around that time because we felt like we had burnt out surface noise to an extent. Sure. You done. Um, yeah. Like we, we, we had toured a bunch and we were just like, if we come back, we got to come back with something new. Like this isn't like working. So I think honestly, the, one of the first things we, we came back with was, um, the Richmond show, a uh, big takeover. Oh yeah. Y'all, y'all yeah. did come out for that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. All right. So that was May of 2022. Yeah. Okay. And before that, we played a couple of shows around Texas um, to kind sure. of like bring ourselves back around. And- How were those? Was it in Lubbock or did you do it like in San Antonio or Austin? Or uh, I believe we, we played a show in Austin and a show in Dallas, if I'm correct. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, but uh, it was like, like the show in Austin was like, a surprise after show kind of thing. Um, like we play, it was, um, after Gulch came, um, Oh, not, not so fun weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, John from parade of flesh basically yep. was just like, yeah, John and Philly Pat were basically just like, yo, we were putting together an after show. So we play, it was us gel Mexican Coke. And I believe a couple of other bands. I'm sorry if I'm forgetting your name, but Mexican Coke is sick. Hell yeah. Yeah, they're fucking crazy. They're awesome. I break out, fuck with that. Break out I the fuck fucking blunderbuss. Yeah, the fucking the musket. Um, <laughs> uh, for those that don't know what we're talking about, look up the band Mexican Coke. Um, but uh, okay, so y'all just you're doing a little. You're mm-hmm. do, it's mainly prepping for uh, for the new record for LP yeah. two. Yeah. And at that point we had already recorded, we were getting like art together. We were, we were finishing up everything and trying to send it off to press, Okay, um, which is a whole process in itself because we were like, we had trouble nailing down, getting five people to agree to shit. And like, it was, mm. it was a lot. So, and we like wanted to make it as good as possible. So it was like, we need to leave no stone unturned for this. Was <sighs> So I don't know what Justin's deal is. Was was he having vinyl delays? Yes. Like yeah, some labels didn't, and I. I but I feel like his his operate because he unlike like a triple B, he puts out he doesn't put out a ton of stuff by comparison to some other labels. So I know certain plants. If you put out a lot, they'll be like, we're gonna put you at the top of the list for getting stuff out because you're gonna do it you have like a slot each month or some shit, but I yeah. know he, he only does like maybe like three records or four records a year. 
Well, so he was he for for the way that he was operating, not to just put his business out there. I'll try to keep this as discreet as possible. But essentially, sure, he he was fighting for that kind of situation the whole time, and ended up striking a deal with one of his plants to make cool. the lead the lead time as slow as possible. But it was like he could push up certain records to the front of that, so it was like new releases get priority over represses because he, he while he doesn't do a bunch of like new hardcore releases uh, comparatively to triple b the represses like he does a ton of re- dude i never even thought about that i bet he does represses out the yin yang because of like old like i don't know like twitching tongues material god's hate material uh Vain, uh, vain. God, yeah. End, I mean, end, yeah, dude. End. Oh, the end, dude. I see the the shit on that. That shit is crazy. Yeah, they've sold so okay. many records. It's insane. That makes sense. Okay. All right. Um, All right. Sure. But like, if it gives you any insight, like we placed a repress for Surface Noise, mm-hmm. and it took a year to get to us. Um, but then when we turned in Flesh and Blood, it took four months because he's okay. He had, he had that deal. Employees. four months at that time not that bad no. there were some people that were on like a i won't be able to see physical for like a year like it yeah. was like it was some, some crazy shit okay got it yeah um so yeah and that was kind of like our 2022 we also i don't know how i just walked over this we also went to europe uh again in 2022 because we okay. got invited to play Hellfest. oh um, sick hell yeah which was like greatest day of my life like who, who all did you play with metallica oh there you go well, <laughs> yeah that's, that's so, enough <laughs> but like they were the headliner for that day but then there was like a bunch of cool shit on it like um if if i go top top to bottom of like shit i wanted to see like carcass played merciful yeah. i saw merciful fate wow. um i saw um Tripticon. Um, oh cool I uh on our stage like terror we we did a, a few shows like club shows of terror around mm-hmm. that and uh they played our stage at Hellfest. Um so Terror, Incendiary, uh and Year of the Knife all played our stage. So like our stage was just full of like friends. Friends, cool. Yeah, Hell yeah. Which was fucking cool. Like and Hellfest is just like the craziest place on earth. So like <laughs> I imagine. Um, so you and you, so you do a few American shows, you do Europe and then it's, uh, you like, you know, when you come back, that was summer. Um, when you come back kind of like, well, how did you finish out the year? The year was basically just like, okay, we're going to like chill. Mm-hmm. And then beginning of the year is when we start rolling out the record. So that's when we're going to start making our comeback into America. Okay. And is, is, did you start playing in 2023, uh, before you started rolling out the record or was it like, how did, how did you kind of like stagger that? Yeah, it was, it was like a couple of shows here or there, um, that we played. Um, I, I don't know how I'm blanking on like what we played, but before the record came out, we played like, I, I, I like a fest here, fest there. And then like, um, went like we played like snow and flurry fest in minneapolis sure yeah, yeah, yeah um and then like just like some kind of like one-off stuff like that and then the record came out in march um and then we did uh texas release shows and mm-hmm. then a few shows during the summer and now we're getting into like the shit at the at the yeah. end of the year so here so yeah because i remember seeing y'all did california mm-hmm. y'all did some y'all did some dates in there with dead body i remember, mm-hmm. I remember seeing y'all at that 
Um, and then kind of closing out, like, what do you have planned for the rest of the year? So, uh, you can talk about at least. Yeah, I can talk about it all at this point now. All right, Um, cool. Chill. So, uh, the, we just did Mexico. Um, oh, that's right. Y'all, yeah. I, 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 I saw that's how it's prompted this. I saw that you were coming back from Mexico and I was like, Oh, when do you, when do you get home? Yeah. So, okay. All right. Chill. Yeah. So, uh, I just got back from that on Monday. How, how was, how were those shows? So a whirlwind, man. Like it was, the shows were small, sure. but we were in another fucking country for the first yeah, time. Matter. Like, yeah, yeah. The, like we had fun. Um, and, uh, the, they had, the people were happy to see us. Fuck um, yeah we had a fucking blast outside of the shows. Like we were just eating so much like food and just, just like food being dorks the whole what time. Cities did y'all play? So we, we played uh Saltillo, which is mm-hmm. a city right outside of like an hour and a half wet east of Monterey. Okay. Um, and then we played Monterey mm-hmm. and then we went down to a city called Queretaro, mm-hmm. um, played that. And then we went to Guadalajara, um oh, cool. and and then we did Mexico City. So chill. Got yeah. it. Pretty All pretty right. chill little run. So you, you did those and, and you're back now. And then and then yeah, like kind of like as you were saying, like what what's kind of the next the next stuff? So uh on f- this Friday and Saturday we're playing uh El Paso uh and Lubbock, our hometown. Oh, hometown. So this is coming out Friday. So this is like if you're listening to this on Friday and you're in you know El Paso area, go to that. If you're in the Lubbock area for Saturday, go to the, you know go to that. Yeah, like, you know like look up the information. Yeah. So well, uh, Acacia Strain asked us to play those two shows with them, Chill. and it was just like yeah, sure, let's do it. Um, and like, uh, transparently, like the like going back to Lubbock was not in the cards for us originally because like we, anytime we play Lubbock at this point, we want to make like super special. Um, our record, yeah. re- our record release show there was like one of the most emotional days. Like I've had in like music. Essentially. Do you feel more emotional about this record than, uh, than the, the first LP? Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like we, I feel like a lot of like, effort and heartache and struggle went into making this record um and a lot of like a lot of my headspace was devoted to making this record so like seeing the fruits of it has been like the most rewarding so far um and like i think i was the most anxious when this record came out because it is like a little bit of a jump for us stylistically yeah Um, talk to me about that what what kind of what kind of were you looking to do with with this record so with each record we've kind of like sat down and had a conversation of like how can we make this different from the last one um and one thing that we were trying to i guess differentiate ourselves on was um the crossover label that gets tagged to us a lot of the time um because we wanted to like kind of you know, have our own sound and like we didn't want to do thrash. We already did that with the axis of equality. Yeah, that was more of a thrash record. Yeah. And then we kind of went a little bit more metal with surface noise. Yep. So this was just a continuation into like, let's go full early two thousands new wave of American heavy metal, but make it hardcore. Yeah, that that's a really good way to okay. That's a really good way to describe it. So it's like it is kind of like 
like it doesn't sound like necessarily like kill switch or like dark like or like darkest hour or like lamb of god necessarily but if y'all were playing with those bands at that time i'd be it like oh, that makes sense that makes complete sense that yeah. makes complete sense okay okay i'm i was always i was curious what the what the influence was and you describing it as such i'm like i completely i completely hear that now okay yeah we were trying to write our god's hate god hates us all yes like we 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 because that was the that was just the time period that we kept returning to stylistically that we like of stuff we liked and like through making it more metal like we wanted to like pull in different influences too like we all like death metal so like Mm -hmm. let's put some death metal shit in there um like you know when i say new wave of american heavy metal we were listening to like chimera a bunch and like oh yeah which like stylistically for where we were already going like makes complete fucking sense mm-hmm. and like we can't help but to write hardcore parts we're hardcore kids for hardcore like, people yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's like it's like when i first heard like the first single and like heard the record and stuff i was like oh how i thought about it I was, I was like this is like this is like festival metal is kind of like what like, like this is big this is big open air metal is kind of like what i was picking up from it and that kind of makes sense with like what what you're saying went into it so i i I see i see the vision yeah and like i said a big part of it was just like we wanted to stand out and we Mm -hmm. felt like like this is stuff that we actually like and listen to so let's not fake what we like and listen to and this is a natural progression for us and not really anybody else is doing that style right now no i don't really the people that are doing kind of like something that even sounds like this, they're, they're leaning either like completely into it or, or just not at all. So it, yeah. it, it's like, I, I don't really know of another record that's out right now. That sounds like, uh, the, like, like the second LP. Yeah. So, well, and, and like, it, it was just a natural build off, like, and we still kept some surface noise stuff in there because like, no matter what, we're still going to worship machine head, like burn yeah. my eyes. And like, we still are going to worship like hate breed breakdowns and like shit like that. So it's like, there's still like the judiciary DNA in it, but we just wanted to like continue that on. Um, and I think I, in my opinion, it's like the best stuff we've ever written. It's the most mature stuff we've ever written. I would say, I would say it, it it's definitely mature. It's, it's like a slicker version yeah. of judiciary. Uh, yeah. it is how I, I would reference it. So you, you know, like you, you've got, you're, you know, this, like we kind of went off and talked about that, but it's, it's like, you know, rest of the year you've got, uh, you know, you just did the Mexico shows. you got these shows this weekend, kind of like what, what's planned for fall. So, um, we got the shows this weekend with the case train of pass on mm-hmm. Lubbock. Um, yep. and then we have, uh, on, september 15th we're going up to boston for new england medical metal and hardcore fest so that's like perfect for this record too Kill yeah Hell like yeah. lamb of god and hate breeder headlining yeah you're you're there yeah we're there we are there we are their child yeah um but like so that's like huge for us and then uh the weekend after that we're going to toronto um to play hold your ground fest with no that's warning right. harm's way Mm-hmm. very cool um which will be fun um first time in eastern canada somehow um it's crazy we, yeah. okay wild we, all right 
Well, we've been route. It was one of those things where like every tour we accept the original route goes through Toronto and Montreal and then the route changes for whatever reason. So Toronto and Montreal are like, why the fuck haven't you come out here? Yeah. Yeah. So first time in Toronto. Um, and then we have all pretty much all of October off. And then on October 28th, we start our tour with frozen soul, 200 stab wounds and travel gaze. That's um, a good and see unlike the gate creeper tour i feel like you're just gonna you're gonna hit with every fan of like it's gonna be like just full full stop there everybody that's at that show is gonna rock with y'all yeah because i f- i feel like th- the frozen soul 200 stab wounds crowd they like because of covid and tiktok and everything like that they have such a young excited crowd they do right now which like everybody does which is like the coolest shit yeah um so like i think that that's going to be a good thing for us and i think we're probably going to like maybe convince like some hardcore kids to show out and that could be their their death metal arc there (laughs) i think so too because it's like i think without y'all i know what there's going to be like the hardcore kids that like death metal that show up to see 200 and to see frozen soul um who's the other one tribal gaze Oh, and it, it, yeah, then too, because the maggot stomp thing and like hardcore kids do like maggot stomp. But I feel like y'all are the one on there that's like, like a kid that's maybe not even in a death metal. Like he might mm-hmm. only be in the kids kind of heavier hardcore. Like he, he might or, or they might show up to, to that show. So I think yeah. that makes sense too. Yeah. And we're doing that wrecking ball, um, fest in Dallas yeah. to start it off. That shit looks so sick. Every year they drop that lineup. I'm like, I wish I was playing this. Like, yeah. it, it, like that. That is like such a cool event. Um, hell yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be killer. Yeah, for Texas, it's fucking sick. Like, there's um, like Flesh Rot, um, our dudes mm-hmm. from Lubbock. Like, it's cool to see another band out there doing it. And then it's like legacy band. Like, I've never seen fucking Skinless. We're playing with Skinless that yep, day. Skinless is playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devourment's playing. Devourment. Um, yep. Fucking like I, I forget who else is on that day. Like, but the fest is fucking awesome. And like, yeah. um, then we get to do a whole month with those guys, which like three texas bands and 200 stab wounds that's a fun time that's gonna be a fun um, time you'll be chilling yeah tribal gaze is like one of my favorite bands right now too so and they they deserve the love too they're yeah. i know they're they're out there and stuff they wrote a really good record um yeah that's uh that'll be a really really good time Te- texas is definitely like kings of that like of the metallic sound and i think that's a good showcasing of like a lot of different corners of that 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 whole tour so that's that's tight yeah, uh, it's all thanks to the fucking holy trinity of uh, mm-hmm. Iron Age, Power Trip, and Bitter End. But of course, but of course, some of the some of the best bands of of hardcore metal, period, full stop, from anywhere. So that's a a good legacy to kind of be a part of. Oh yeah, um, cool. Okay, so so yeah, so we're doing heavy. You're doing a lot. Doing you know doing that tour uh, and everything. Um, to kind of like to kind of close out the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and all that. So it, it's like people will see, be, be, have a lot of different opportunities to see judiciary, uh, you know, going forward. Um, and that kind of, that takes us to kind of the, to right now, uh, you know, and, and kind of the, the current, the current era, um, you know, you kind of already given everybody like where they're going to be able to see you guys. Uh, is there anything that you want to, to like leave the listeners with before, you know, we, we sign off here? Um, uh, first I would just want to say like, thank you for having me. It's really, really nice. And I'm glad like we got to chat for a little bit. Um, but like, yeah, I, I'm just like, 
I think as like us as a band, we're just excited to get back out and like play for people. Um, and like kind of something that I've, I've been thinking about a lot recently, um, especially with us going to Mexico, um, is like putting judiciary in perspective for myself. It's like a bunch of like kids from Lubbock that like weren't supposed to do this shit, like are doing some cool shit. Um, and we've been a band for 10 years now. So like, and not to like sit on a pedestal or anything like that. But if there's any young bands, like we've been a band for 10 years, we've gotten to do some cool shit. Train has been a band for about that long. They're doing some crazy shit. Turnstile has been a band since I was in high school. Mm-hmm. They're the biggest band in the fucking world. So like start a band and stick it the fuck out. Stay at it. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, Mexico made me think about that a lot um, this past week. And I'm really appreciative for what hardcore has given me as a person. And I think that uh, hardcore has a lot to give to other people. So beautiful words, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support us, you can subscribe to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash forum of passion until next time. Stay safe.